Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It is indeed time for Fizz Radio. Happy to have you aboard. Tim Leonard here with you on the score 1260 till 10 a.m. this Saturday morning, as we always are, 9 to 10 on the home of the Central New York Sports Fan. You can also find us via the podcast versions on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. A lot to talk about this week in the world of Syracuse sports. Does not feel like it's summertime based on all the news that has come in this week. We'll break it all down over the next hour or so. And let's start with some Syracuse football recruiting. How could we start anywhere else based on what they reeled in this past week? And it's still going here, this recording on Thursday afternoon. But as of right now, four commits in the past four days for the Orange to bring them up to seven total commits. What a week for Dino Babers and company to Still have them slightly behind the curve, I guess, in the number of commits as related to other ACC teams. They're right around the 12-13 mark on 24-7 sports as team rankings in the ACC with seven commits. But you pick up four in four days, and things are trending up. They had two on Sunday, two more on Wednesday. Not really anyone that's too flashy or too sexy. No one in the four-star range or threatening with four stars. But their commits and it's showing progress in the program that they are getting solid three-star contributors and people that are making commits right after visiting the campus and right after getting that offer from Syracuse, which now means a lot more to these kids after a 10-3 and season. And obviously, this recorded on Thursday afternoon. At this rate, there could be more commits coming in over the next couple days, and especially given the weekend that is on the horizon for Syracuse football, a ton of official visitors an unofficial visitor, and these are those big names, those high-end three-star guys and four-star guys. We will dive into that later on in the show. We'll also go over Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett's NBA Futures after the draft and get to Fizz feedback, but let's go over these four commits that we already know of right now. Go back to Sunday afternoon. Let's start with the two commits that Syracuse got on Sunday The juiced-up tweets came out for Dino Babers. Everyone got excited. We found out Leon Lowry, a defensive end that was a camp visitor not too long ago, came for that camp on the weekend of June 15th and the 16th. He uh, committed right after coming to camp, a guy that is a quick defensive end with a very quick first step, measures in at 6'3", 205, so definitely undersized in the weight department, but When you have height at 6'3", that projects well to the next level. And this is kind of what Syracuse is trying to get at is get some height on the line. That's been something that the staff has definitely had in their mind going forward in the recruiting process. Obviously, Alton Robinson is going to leave after next year, after this year upcoming, as well as Kendall Coleman. And the line is somewhere where they're going to have to replenish some bodies. But Alton Robinson, a 6'4 guy, that is probably going to be a draft pick next year in the NFL because of his size alone and how much he has improved since coming out of the JUCO ranks to Syracuse. So this is a line that's growing. We know there's been names in the past like a Chandler Jones here at Syracuse, but Leon Lowry, the next commit, and Lowry's someone who checks in right at that middle-tier three-star range on 247sports.com. He's got an 82.7 overall right now. 
is his grade. So that's basically right around what the other commits are that Syracuse has gotten so far, about what the average is, honestly, for the seven commits, if you average it all up. He had offers from Indiana, UMass, Rutgers, and Temple. And Rutgers is the big one there because this is a New Jersey kid who grew up just eight miles from the campus of Rutgers. So for Syracuse to snag him away from his hometown is definitely strong. And he's going to have to bulk up a little bit at just 205. But there's plenty of potential there just based on his speed. And there's been some tweets, some video surfacing from him at camp, most notably from Cuse Nation. They tweeted out a good one that we posted on our recruiting guide. And if you ever have to get caught up on Syracuse football recruiting, if you're into Syracuse football recruiting, go to orangefizz.net and check out our recruiting guide. It's got everything that you would want to know about this 2020 class. And we're always updating it. So Syracuse gets the commitment from Leon Lowry, again, a three-star guy out of New Jersey, a defensive end. That was earlier on on Sunday afternoon this past Sunday. And then by Sunday night, they had already gotten another commit, two in one day. The second one was Justin Barron. And this is someone who we kind of hinted at on this very program last week. Signs were pointing towards him coming to Syracuse. He's an athlete by trade, and remember, that's what Trill Williams was listed at. A lot of these guys at the high school level, they play both ways. You don't exactly know what their identity is going to be, but Barron especially is someone who we really don't know what his future is with Syracuse right now. He's listed some sites as a wide receiver, others as a tight end, and then on the defensive side, some have him as a defensive back, maybe a safety. Others project him as an outside linebacker. He's played all over the map at his high school in Suffield, Connecticut. Suffield Academy, if that high school sounds familiar, it's because Syracuse has been linked to a lot of guys from this high school in this 2020 cycle. Barron's quarterback in high school is Tyler Van Dyke, someone that has committed to Miami, but Syracuse was after him a lot in the early portion of this cycle, and a three-star guy that was definitely a fan favorite based on a lot of Syracuse fans wanting to reel him in in this recruiting cycle. But another wide receiver still up for grabs from this high school that Syracuse is after, Jaden Dodden, is a high-end four-star guy. ESPN 300 wide receiver, Penn State is in the mix there. They seem to be kind of the front runners. but hopefully you wrap up a guy like Barron, who's, you presume, pretty good friends with someone, a fellow wide receiver from the same school. Dodden and Barron have been to a lot of visits together and so forth. That maybe persuades a guy like Dodden to make that trip up to Syracuse and maybe ink the paper along with Barron or verbally commit at least. So that could hopefully bode well for the future. But as for Barron, 6'4", that makes sense why he is so versatile and why he is known as an athlete. It seems like all the Syracuse coaches' reports indicate that they want him, whether it's the defensive backs coaches, they're fighting for him with the linebackers coaches, with the wide receivers and the tight ends group and all that because they all see potential at each select position. And it's pretty rare that you get a guy at this stage in his career, a senior, that doesn't have that quote-unquote position but he's an athlete, and those usually pan out. You're going to find a spot. The coaching staff will help him figure it out. My guess is he probably fits in as a tight end long term just because he has that radius, that catching radius. He's not super speedy, so he's not a Nikeem Johnson-type speed or a Sean Riley-type speed that maybe doesn't bode super well for the outside of this Dino Babers offense. And I know a lot of people listening are probably thinking, well, 
tight end's never really been an impact, even when they had Ravian Pierce in this offense, so why would they minimize him? But I think it can be an impact, and he won't be your typical tight end. I think he does provide more as a wide receiver-like tight end, and I think he will develop into a primary playmaker in this offense down the road. His stars, three stars pretty much across the board, 83.6 overall on 24-7 sports. That's pretty solid, a little bit ahead of Lowry and Honestly, one of the biggest commits Syracuse has gotten out of the seven so far that we know of in this 2020 cycle was basically between Boston College and Syracuse for Barron. He also had an offer from Pittsburgh, Air Force, FIU, and Fordham were also in the mix on this guy. An athlete, could be a linebacker, could be a safety, could be a wide receiver, but I think it's tight end. You'd probably have to fill in that frame a little bit. 6'4", You want to put on some more weight if you're going to be a tight end, but Based on his catch radius and his speed, I think he fits in long-term as a tight end. Regardless of where he fits in, though, it's exciting to get a guy that versatile with pretty good ratings, beat out a couple ACC schools for him, and he was clearly always hooked on Syracuse from the get-go. So you get Justin Barron and Leon Lowry. That was back last Sunday. But then you get two more commits on Wednesday. Offensive tackle Garth Barkley, out of Pennsylvania, a three-star guy commits to Syracuse, and then later that night, you get a punter-slash-kicker in James Williams to commit. Williams is basically a five-star guy, although it is a punter and a kicker, so it might be a little bit easier to get a five-star rating, but according to Coles, which is the main recruiting services for special teamers like this, he is a five-star punter and a five-star kicker, fifth-best overall punter, in this 2020 cycle, and 12th best overall kicker. And look, Syracuse had to get a punter. They knew that that was on their checklist for 2020 with Sterling Hoffrichter out of eligibility after this year. You got to keep that ball moving on the special teams front, which has been so excellent. So you go down south, you go to Georgia, Athens, Georgia, and you get James Williams, one of the best punters in this class. Fifth best overall, offers from Hawaii, Air Force, Army, even had some interest from Alabama. No reported offer there, but you really can't do much better than fifth best overall in the class. And it just speaks to the special teams product that Syracuse is putting out there. Undoubtedly, one of the best special teams in the country last year and projected to be maybe the best special teams unit in the country this year with Hoffrichter back, Andre Schmidt back, and the rest of them. Coach Lustig doing a great job, was promoted well-deserved, and he was even thanked in this commitment tweet by James Williams that came out Wednesday afternoon. A guy who was going to fill right in and keep that ball moving. Started with Riley Dixon, keep the special teams mojo going that has been so strong for Syracuse in an underrated position, a lot like offensive tackle, which is what you get in Garth Barkley. An offensive tackle that's kind of a late bloomer, Offer sheet's not tremendous. Again, three-star guy, 81 overall on 247sports.com. His offer sheet, Virginia is an ACC team, but outside of that, you don't get much power six. You've got a Temple offer. You've got UMass, Buffalo, Bowling Green, Central Michigan in there. So it doesn't seem all that sexy, but then you go and look at his size, 6'7", 250. Doesn't get much better than that for an offensive lineman. You maybe want a little bit more weight, but... That's the easy thing. You can tack on some pounds once you get to college in those training facilities. You can't get the height. And again, Syracuse recruiting based on height on the line. Leon Lowry, the defensive end they got a commitment from back on Sunday afternoon, he's 6'3". A lot of these guys, if you just look at who they've targeted, 
it's definitely a point of emphasis with this 2020 cycle. Let's get linemen that are tall. We'll fill these guys in, and 6'7", 250 fits that bill for Garth Barkley out of Pennsylvania. Chose Syracuse. He went on a visit to UVA, and it seemed like that was kind of an obligatory thing because Dino Babers came out with that tweet a little bit earlier on in the week. Actually came out with it Tuesday afternoon before he officially committed on his Twitter page with that tweet on Wednesday afternoon. So four commits in total for Syracuse, a huge week, and it might not be done there because this is a huge recruiting weekend for Dino Babers and company. One they've had circled on their calendar forever, probably one of the biggest Syracuse football recruiting weekends in recent memory. We're going to discuss that next. Six official visitors in town, a four-star, a ton of high-end three-stars, honestly, Some of the most talent Syracuse has had on campus at any point since really 2010, 2009, anywhere in that range. It is a huge weekend. We'll break down the guys that are in town this weekend and could be future cornerstones of the SU offense and defense. That's on the other side on Fizz Radio. Welcome back on Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard here with you, and we are talking some Syracuse football recruiting. Fun time to talk about it with four commits coming in and really a flurry to put Syracuse up to seven total in this 2020 cycle. Remember, I'm recording this on Thursday, so it could be even more by the time you're listening to this, and that's because it's a big weekend of visitors, a huge weekend allotted for some big stars here that have been on the calendar for a while and something that Dino Babers and company have been gearing up for, certainly, because six official visitors, one unofficial visitor on the campus between Thursday and Sunday this weekend. And it's a nice weather week for Syracuse, at least at the moment it's projecting to be. So that's a good thing. You always like when recruits come to some good weather. But let's go over these seven total visitors who who have all kinds of talent. This is A lot of talent coming to Syracuse this weekend. Let's start with the headliner. Bryce Gowdy, wide receiver slash tight end from Florida. Unanimous four-star guy. 89 overall on 24-7 sports. Let's put that in perspective. 89 overall. What does that mean? That means he would be the third commit in the past five years for Syracuse to reach that number ratings-wise. The other two? Tommy DeVito, who was arguably the biggest Syracuse recruit in the past five, six years, certainly in the Dino Babers era, he was an 89 overall, and Trill Williams. There's only been two in this Dino Babers era and two in the past four years, dating back to 2016 cycle, that have touched 89 overall. Bryce Gowdy right now is basically an ESPN 300 guy. He's 342 rankings-wise in this class. That's every position in the country on 247sports.com. Did not make the cut on the ESPN 300, but he's right around that if he's not on there by the end of the year. And he he could play himself into that conversation. His offers speak to the ratings that I just listed to you. Florida State, Florida, Arkansas, Oregon, Tennessee, Penn State, West Virginia, and Georgia Tech. The last two I mentioned, West Virginia and Georgia Tech, the two schools he has visited so far. He just finished up an official visit at West Virginia last weekend. Now he's in town right now with Syracuse. That's a fringe ESPN 300 receiver that has basically got the same build as Taj Harris, 6'2", 180. Harris is also 6'2", right around 180. But 
I, I'll go ahead and say it. Gowdy would be probably even more impactful than Harris was in his freshman year, and that's saying a lot. Harris had an outstanding freshman year. I'm not knocking him whatsoever. He was one of a plethora of receivers that did well for Syracuse. But you throw a talented guy like Bryce Gowdy, a four-star overall, in this system, he's speedy, he's shifty, he's got the build at 6'2". I mean, look, there's a reason why this guy's getting looks from Oregon, from Tennessee, from Penn State, all those schools. There's a reason why West Virginia and Georgia Tech are right up there. Well, Georgia Tech, obviously, not quite as elite, but this is an elite guy with elite-level offers, and he's coming to Syracuse. He is on campus this weekend. He just finished up that official visit at West Virginia. The good news for Cuse, they were the very first offer he ever got. They've been on him early. He's really risen since then. But if you get a guy like Gowdy, that's a game changer for this 2020 cycle. Another wide receiver on campus from the Florida area is Kentrone Poyater, a 2020 guy as well. 6'3.5", 205 are his measurables, and he's just a notch below ratings-wise that Gowdy is. He's a three-star guy at 87 overall on 247sports.com. Now, 87 is still really impressive. Just nine commits in the past four years for Syracuse football have reached 87 overall when they committed, according to 247sports.com's database. That was 2019 guys, Cornelius Nunn, Michael Jones, Jeff Canton, and Lee Pogba, all guys that haven't seen the, the field yet, so it's hard to base on those guys, but just four in the 2019 cycle. 2018, here are some names you're going to start to know. Trill Williams, an 89 that I mentioned earlier. Kadir White hasn't really seen the field partially due to injuries. Ed Hendricks as well was a 2018-87 overall or better that struggled with some injuries. 2017, just two guys were 87 overall or better. Tommy DeVito, again, was an 89, and Ravion Pierce, the tight end, who was a transfer from a JUCO. 2016, they didn't have a single recruit that touched 87 overall or better. 2015, Dante Strickland was in the 87 range, but nine total commits in the past four years. And you've got Gowdy coming this weekend in 89 overall, and you've got Poyater coming at 87 overall. And this next guy we're going to talk about, Latar Kinsler, is an 87 overall as well, even up to 88 if you want to round up based on 247sports.com. Poyater, the wide receiver with offers from everywhere. Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Oregon, Florida, Miami, Michigan. That's a murderer's row of offers. And the fact that Syracuse is getting a visit from this guy says a ton about this program right now. He's coming on Friday. He's coming with his high school teammate, a 2020 target, Robert Hanna, who is... Also a Miami Palmetto guy down in Florida. And if Miami Palmetto sounds familiar, one of those guys I just talked about, 87 overall or better in the past four years, Cornelius Nunn just got committed in the 2019 cycle, also from Miami Palmetto High School in Miami, Florida. Syracuse has been attacking Florida. They've been seeing the rewards. And you'd have to think they've got a little something starting down there with the coaching staff at Miami Palmetto High School, seeing the rewards. Kentron Poyetzer is also coming on a visit, three-star, 87 overall, offers from Alabama, Auburn, and pretty much any school out there. Basically a fringe four-star guy. Nick Monroe, his main recruiter, was down to visit his high school, Miami Palmetto, watch him play in late May. He's had this visit on his docket forever, and if you get him, maybe you get Robert Hanna as well from Miami Palmetto, a safety that is coming up with him. Hannah, slightly lower, middle-tier three-star guy at 83 overall in 24-7 sports. But 
the offers are still impressive. Miami, Louisville, Pittsburgh, UCF. Miami seems to be the front runners along with Syracuse for this guy. And remember last time it was between Miami and Syracuse for a safety from Miami Palmetto High School. SU won. They got Cornelius Young, who kept going back and forth and ultimately picked the Orange. So you've got Kentron Poyator, a wide receiver for Miami Palmetto, 87 overall, and his high school teammate, a safety, and Robert Hanna, that's also from Miami Palmetto, coming to Syracuse. They're on campus right now over the course of the weekend. Defensive end I already touched on a little bit, Terry Kinsler, also a Florida guy. They're just all coming from Florida. Pahokee, Florida at Pahokee High School. 88 overall, according to 24-7 Sports. So, again, he would be on that short list of guys I just mentioned that were Tommy DeVito, Trill Williams, Cornelius Young, and a couple other guys that maybe haven't panned out as much, but still, it's a high success rate when you get someone that's an 87, 88 overall. I mean, there's a reason they pick up these ratings, and there's a reason someone like Kinsler has an offer sheet that's got Miami, LSU, Oregon, Louisville. It's a lot of Oregon and Louisville with these teams that Syracuse is fighting for. Penn State is also in the mix. West Virginia. Kinsler just toured West Virginia. And actually, it's interesting with the Louisville side of things. He was actually committed to Louisville back in April 2018. He committed very early on in this cycle. We talked about this guy last week on Fizz Radio. Decommitted. He's coming up to Syracuse this weekend. He's been on a lot of tours lately. West Virginia, Virginia, UCF even locally. So he's coming all the way up to the Cuse. A defensive end, 88 overall. Again, just another high-end guy that is coming this weekend to make this such a big weekend. You round out the list, and you've got one of the top New York running backs right now in Israel Abinkandi. 5'11", 197, projects as maybe a slot receiver, kind of like a Sean Riley type. He already took an OV to Pittsburgh. That's kind of Syracuse's main competition for that guy at the moment. 84 overall. But he's one of the top recruits in New York, from Brooklyn, New York, Abraham Lincoln High School. That's protecting your turf. You know, BC's after him, Buffalo's after him locally, Vandy and Duke have given this guy offers, even Cal on the West Coast. Abinkandi's someone that you want to protect because he's one of the best athletes and one of the best running backs, slot receivers, whatever he ends up being, in your state, in your territory. Go out and get that guy. If you're not getting those guys, then other teams in the area are going to get them, and it looks poorly on you. If someone goes to a Buffalo and you know they could have had an impact at Syracuse and you weren't recruiting them hard enough and you lost out to a region where, let's face it, Syracuse is New York's college team. They should be reeling in the New York guys, especially given how they played last year football-wise. Another guy coming, Charles Bell. The list just keeps going. He's also an athlete, mostly – projected as a safety from Maryland. This is Charles Bell we're talking about. Another three-star guy, but a high-end three-star guy. 84 overall, just like Abin Condi on 247sports.com. Similar build, 5'11 and a half. Got a half an inch on Abin Condi. He's 195 weight-wise. Offers from Maryland, which is, again, right where he's from locally. Boston College, Pittsburgh, and Virginia Tech. Pretty good offer sheet on this guy, and this is kind of a late add to this fray a big commit's coming in before this dead period. So those are your six official visitors. We'll run through them again. Go all the way up to the top. I started with Bryce Gowdy. He's the headliner. Four-star wide receiver. Follow his Twitter page. Follow Orange Fizz because this is a guy, if Syracuse reels him in this weekend or if they reel him in at any point, 
he could change things for this program. He's an 89 overall. He only Tommy DeVito and Trill Williams are 89 overalls recently for Syracuse. He is an absolute game changer if they get him, and I think they have a very realistic shot at getting a Bryce Gowdy. Look, they, they probably have a realistic shot at getting basically everyone that's coming on this. You only get five official visits. You don't want to run through those things. We're at the point now where guys are starting to make decisions. We've already seen four commits this week. Kentron Poitier, another wide receiver coming. That's the guy that was the 87 overall from Miami Palmetto High School. The other Miami Palmetto High School guy, Robert Hanna, safety at 83 overall. Latari Kinsler, 88 overall, defensive end from Florida as well. Pahokee, Florida, committed to Louisville, decommitted in the mix with West Virginia, Penn State on Kinsler. Israel Abincondi as well. Running back, maybe a slot wide receiver at 5'11". From Brooklyn, New York, 84 overall is also coming. And the last guy I mentioned, Charles Bell, is also an 84 overall as a safety from Maryland. Those are the six official visitors. There is one unofficial visitor, Josh Ayala, from down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mallard Creek High School is an offensive tackle slash defensive tackle. Most say he's being projected to play on the offensive side of the ball for Syracuse, although at 6'3", 280, he can play both ways. And he announced that he's going to Syracuse this weekend. He's already shown interest in the Orange as well. And basically between Colorado State, James Madison, and Syracuse for Ayala, who's from Charlotte, North Carolina, also got offers from ECU, Elon, and a couple schools down south in that area in terms of skill level and prestige of the college. Syracuse getting seven guys this weekend, though. I'll go ahead and say it. Probably going to see a couple more commits. And, you know, last week we discussed maybe a Justin Barron commit. It's hard to say which of these six official visitors, or even if it's Ayala, an unofficial visitor, you wouldn't think that he'd make a decision because he's only going to Syracuse. That's his first visit so far. But you never know. It's a good weather weekend. There's a lot of buzz right now around this program. And how do you back it up? You start getting some of these big-name guys. It's been seven commits. We've seen four in the past week. But there's no one that's really going to turn your head too much. We haven't gotten a four-star or a high-end three-star. There's an opportunity for that first big splash this weekend with a Bryce Gowdy coming with the Kentron Poitier. So keep it locked to Orange Fizz on Twitter and, of course, over at orangefizz.net as well. We can find that complete recruiting guide. Just go to orangefizz.net, search the complete recruiting guide. Got player profiles, highlights. Insider info, visit dates, everything you need to know in that 2020 football recruiting guide. All right, let's talk some NBA basketball next, shall we? After the draft, Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett will discuss their NBA futures as well as Darius Baisley going to the Jazz with the 23rd overall pick. It's Fizz Radio, and it's only on the score 1260. I think he'll be a role player. He could be a starter because of his length, his versatility on defense. I mean, he tested, I think, at 6'8 with a 7-foot-plus wingspan. Um, So I don't know if he'll ever be more than a role player. You know, he showed flashes, like you said. He showed flashes of being able to score from all three levels uh, at Syracuse, but never really did it consistently. And I don't think he added actual specific role of, all right, you're going to come out here and do this and this, and that was a bit of the issue. Whereas now I, uh, I think I see that if he can spread the floor, defend, switch a lot, uh, just hit just hit, hit shots that are open and 
and not have to play with the ball or anything, that that's how he projects to the next level. That's the voice of Canadian recruiting expert Wes Brown, also a former NBA scout who was on this very program that he said that less than a month ago here on Fizz Radio, telling us that O'Shea Brissett's stock had risen based on the NBA Combine, the G League Combine, his performance in those two. Wes even tweeted that he expected Brissett at the time, less than a month ago, to be a middle second round, late second round pick in that range. We find out Thursday night at the NBA Draft, O'Shea Brissett goes undrafted, Tyus Battle goes undrafted, and Syracuse strikes out for the second straight year now. The Orange, no draft picks in the past two years, and that's the first time that's happened for this program since the late 90s. 1997, 1998, 1999, no draft picks for the Cuse. And again, in 2018 and the 2019 draft, Syracuse gets no picks. And the question now becomes, what's next for these guys? By the time you're listening to this, they probably have picked up some sort of undrafted free agency, which is fine. And honestly, there's a lot of pros to that. Right now, we don't know where Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett are signing, but they will get picked up as an undrafted free agent, you'd expect. And then they'll go to the G League, they'll do that thing, or... You know, obviously it starts with the summer league and you try to play your way as a two-way contract guy and make the most of it. And look at this most recent NBA Finals. There's a lot of undrafted guys that make it. I mean, just on the Raptors themselves was Jeremy Lin and Fred Van Fleet. Van Fleet was one of the best players in that Game 6 victory for the Raptors. So it doesn't mean it's the end-all, be-all. If you go undrafted, we all know this. And the positives to it, you get to pick your team. You get to kind of pick a fit that that is best for you and best for O'Shea Brissett, best for Tyus Battle. Frank Howard also will be in this undrafted free agency conversation. And when you project these guys at the next level, I think they've got a, a decent chance for undrafted free agents, but it's just hard to see them sort of sliding into the modern NBA because there's so much inconsistency with their shots. Battle, obviously, is more of a mid-range jump shooter than Brissett. He can shoot off the dribble. He is a scorer, and we've seen that at Syracuse. We've seen a lot of reasons for an NBA team to take a chance on him. It's almost like Eric Dunchy. He's such a leader. People have counted him out. He's proven them wrong. Why wouldn't you take a chance on him if you're a pro franchise? But he's going to have to prove that the hitch in the shot is not a crippling factor. There is still that hitch there. I know he worked on it a lot with Drew Hanlon, even going back to the summer in between freshman and sophomore year when he flirted with it. On O'Shea Brissett's side of things, it's kind of the same deal. He's a 3 and D guy. You heard Wes Brown touch on at the top here. That's where he projects. That's best case scenario for O'Shea Brissett. Yes, he might have more potential than battle, and that's why his stock probably got even a little higher than battle at times. There was... More talks of him being drafted than Tyus Battle, despite Brissett being really disappointing overall in his sophomore year and definitely not putting up the numbers that Battle did during his time in college. It's about potential. He has that length. He has that versatility on defense that you like if you're an NBA franchise. So the potential's higher, but I don't see his ceiling getting any higher than what Jeremy Grant has accomplished as a second-round pick, which is very solid what Grant has carved out. He's a 3-and-D guy. All NBA teams want right now 
is someone that can defend multiple positions. It's the way the league is heading, and they also want someone that can shoot, and that's where O'Shea Brissett has to prove himself. He just never really put it all together at Cuse, but there is that NBA potential. Scouts liked him a lot after his freshman year. The sophomore year obviously was a dip. He went back up based on the combine numbers, but O'Shea Brissett is a 3-and-D guy. And in order to be a 3-and-D guy, you've got to prove you can make shots. And that's going to be the test for him in the Summer League this year, for him when he gets to the G League, for him whether he gets to an NBA roster day one, prove you can make shots. Because if he can make shots, he can play off the ball, and he can be a spot-up three-point shooter. He's got a role. 3-and-D is still a huge role in this league. Think of a Robert Covington, a Jay Crowder. They play good defense, they can switch multiple positions, and they can knock down three-point shots. That's what the modern NBA role player is, and the tools are there for O'Shea Brissett. The question mark is the three-point shot. Will it translate? Will he shoot like he did at the Combine, or will he shoot like he did in his sophomore year at Syracuse? That's the question. It's the same question for Tyus Bowdy. You've got to be able to shoot. If you want to be a consistent, viable, reliable NBA role player in 2019 and beyond right now. So now that we know O'Shea Brissett, Tyus Battle undrafted, Darius Baisley, 23rd pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder, which good for him. I'm rooting for him. I know he's a controversial guy. Obviously had a long, windy road to get to where he is. I hope it works out for him, though. I think he's going to have to spend plenty of time in the G League, probably even two years because he's so young and raw, but... Why not take a chance on him if you're the Thunder? I think it was a good pick at 23. Rooting for Baisley, but Battle and Brissett going undrafted. We can now step back here and use hindsight bias and say, was this the right decision? It's easy to say no, obviously, because they went undrafted. But if you're O'Shea Brissett and Tyus Battle, this is probably the best chance you get. And I know they went undrafted, and that's not what your plan was all along. But you've still got a shot. You're still a year younger. I don't, I don't, I'm not that guy that picks on kids for, for going after their dream. I'm fine with it. Now, there is a case to be made that this is becoming a little toxic in college basketball because, I mean, there's a laundry list of guys this year that had eligibility left, left for the draft, and were undrafted. Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett are on them. Naz Reed out of LSU. I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't need to bore you with the names. And it's going to be the same going forward. And obviously, this one-and-done era and this double draft is coming probably in 2022. And that's going to change a lot of things. I think it could be good for Syracuse. It could go back to how college basketball was in the early 2000s, which is maybe you have a Carmelo Anthony here or there. But it's a lot of four-year guys. We could see Duke go back to how they used to play basketball. That probably bodes better for Syracuse because they're not really getting that top-tier talent right now. But you could still make a legitimate case that it's toxic right now, that all these kids are going to be selected in the 50s or be undrafted. Tyus Battle, Brissett, two of them. It's interesting. John Rothstein was on the DA show on CBS. Damon Amendolor, the Fizz founder himself, had John Rothstein, CBS Sports college basketball expert, on. And he debated a little bit with DA what the Syracuse team would be like if Battle and Brissett stayed. It's interesting because you think about it, and you can relate to this, you know, because you're a Syracuse alum. If Tyus Battle or O'Shea Brissett went back to school next year, 
there's a chance that next year being on a Syracuse team that would definitely be in the top 10 if they were both there would be the best year of their life, regardless of if they're going to play in the NBA or not. That's right. And kids right now are bypassing that opportunity just because they would rather be a professional. That's exactly right. And so I want to wrap. That's John Rothstein, CBS Sports College basketball expert, talking with Damon Amendolora, DA, the Fizz founder, on the DA show earlier this week. That aired right before the NBA draft. And it's interesting. I think, you know, it's maybe a little bullish to say Syracuse would definitely be top 10, but they would have a really good team. And it probably stings to hear it right now based on what we found out. After the Thursday night NBA draft, O'Shea Brissett undrafted, Tyus Battle undrafted, Darius Baisley, the one-time Syracuse commit, goes number 23 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Syracuse strikes out in the draft for the second straight year, and it just makes you want this one-and-done era to end. I mean, just give us the college basketball that we all love, which is three, four-year guys. I think it'll help Syracuse. It'll get back to the point where there's not pressure on these kids. They're not leaping early. If they want to be in school, they want to be in school, and they stay in school for three, four years and enjoy it. And I think that's a good point from John Rothstein. It could have been an unreal year next year for Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett, but you can't really fault them. They're following their dream. No one to blame there. Even though they go undrafted, they've still got a shot as an undrafted free agent. They'll play the summer league game. They'll play the G League game, and we'll hope for the best because they're just chasing their dream at this point. And it would have been fun to have him back for another year and maybe be a top 10 team. But you can't fault a kid for chasing his dream. All right, Fizz Feedback is next. We'll go through our Twitter polls. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Closing up shop here on Fizz Radio. Final three minutes. Tim Leonard here with you. And time for Fizz Feedback. Always put out some polls at Orange Fizz on Twitter. If you comment, we will shout you out here on the Score 1260. Thanks for joining us this morning, and let's run through these questions. Where is Darius Baisley in five years? That's the first question for options for you. NBA role player, NBA starter for Darius Baisley, a G-leaguer in five years, or playing internationally in five years? Those are your four options. Role player, NBA starter, G-leaguer or playing internationally and the vote count right now pretty even across the board this is a polarizing topic because fans want to hate him fans also might want to respect his game because they fell in love with him for a brief period there NBA role player leading the way though at 34 percent just slightly above playing internationally at 32 percent again this is in five years time for Darius Baisley G-leaguer 12 percent of the vote NBA starter 22 percent so the fact that You've got 32% of the public saying playing internationally and another 22% saying NBA sir shows how polarizing this is. I lean towards NBA role player. That's what I picked. That leads the vote right now. At 34%, I think he carves out a role. It's going to take him some time. He's going to have to work in the G League for a couple years. He's just so skinny. He's like 210. He's really raw. He's got to hone his game, but I'm rooting for the guy. Second question we had, more directed to Syracuse football recruiting, which we talked about a lot in the early portion of the show. If you missed that conversation, check out our podcast versions, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. The question is, how do you feel about Cuse football's 2020 recruiting cycle right now? Seven commits as of recording this on Thursday. They've got a huge weekend coming in with a lot of official visitors, some big names. The four options we gave, great, huge upgrade from last year. Second option, solid, is this 2020 recruiting cycle. 
for football. And then the third option, eh, still need more. And finally, the fourth option, bad, no big names. Great and bad are the two in the last position. Bad is just 2% with no big names. No one picking that one, hardly any, 2%. Great, huge upgrade at 11%. And solid is leading the way, 53%, a large portion of the vote. Eh, still need more, 34%. That's where I lean. They still need to get that big name in my eyes. These recruits we're seeing are no different than the past two years, but the official visitors coming this weekend lend you to believe this is going to be a different cycle. Keep it locked to orangefizz.net, orangefizz on Twitter. It's a huge weekend for Syracuse football recruiting. That's all the time we have on the score 1260 this morning. You can catch us next week, 9 to 10, every Saturday morning here on the home of the Central New York sports fan. I'm Tim Leonard signing off this week. We'll talk to you next week, Fizz Nation.